Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell with the Church Planner Magazine and Church Planner Podcast. And this is Peyton Jones, co-host of the uh, same, and uh, I do stuff for the same. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a a special guest. Peyton, why don't you go ahead and introduce our special guest for this uh, interview we've got. Well, you know, we're, we've got Francis Chan on today. He needs no introduction, but he is the author of Crazy Love. Um, he's written other books like The Forgotten God, uh, Erasing Hell. And um, he is probably, in, in my uh, mind, probably one of the most enigmatic guys simply because uh, in, in, in the world of church leadership, because he takes it back. Uh, as first century as it can get. And uh, he's actually, I want to hear a little bit, Francis, about what you've been doing recently. But we especially want to hear uh, from you today about uh, sex trafficking. We've been trying to weigh, raise awareness about how uh, church planners can hardwire taking that fight into the very DNA of their church plan, making it a priority. I know it's something that's close to your heart. So uh, we wanted to pick your brain a bit, see how you got involved in the fight and how church planners can make their churches uh, really mission frontiers for going after this. So, Francis, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. We're, uh, you want me to just start off with uh, talking about what we're doing right now? Absolutely. Well, um, we, we, right now my main focus has been on planting churches, um, but uh, maybe not in the sense that we're used to, you know, with a building and a staff, but more... Um, just raising up leaders and having gatherings in homes where we, uh, where they can multiply and, uh, and, and split off and launch new churches, more like the underground church in China, um, where you, you train up a leader and send him out and expect him to go and share his faith and make disciples and, and continue that process of multiplication. And, um, so, you know, we, we just started a year ago with one church in my house and then split into two and then those two split into four and and we're trying every six to six to twelve months to to have these churches multiply and continue developing leaders and we figure if we keep going at this rate and dividing and multiplying every nine months, we'll have a over a million people in ten years. So you know, that's it, awesome, man. Yeah, we're 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 praying for that, and uh, it's been good. It's been real good. You uh, you still in the Tenderloin district? A little bit. Um, I've mainly focused in the uh, Bayview Hunters Point district of San Francisco, um, awesome. kind of by Candlestick Park, and uh, it's more of the gang area. But now the churches are moving into different locations: um, South San Francisco, Daly City, um, and then a couple in uh, San Francisco. That's awesome. Well, Francis, first off, uh, give us a little bit of your story of how you came to faith. We always ask our guests that, and then we'd like to kind of hear after that how you got involved uh, in the fight with sex trafficking. Yeah, like a lot of people, I 
kind of went to church as a kid with the family. Um, but it was, it was after my parents had died and it was in high school that a friend took me to a youth group and the youth pastor there, uh, really helped me understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. And then he ended up discipling me, met with me every week for four years. Um, and just taught me all about ministry and that's how I got involved in ministry and then it wasn't until gosh way way later I mean this is only I would guess eight or nine years ago that I heard the term sex trafficking for the first time and it was actually at a at a catalyst conference and I was getting there was a little dinner with some of the other speakers and David Batstone with not for sale happened to be sitting next to me and as I asked him what he did he explained it and I couldn't stop thinking about it I mean all night I just he didn't even say that much I just I, I, I was up all night I mean literally on my bed in my hotel room just crying picturing my daughters and what if something like that happened to them what would I do and how much of my life would I devote to fighting it and um, and just questioning, why do I not care about all these girls out there? Is it just because they're not my daughter? Like that's that's awful. And, and, and just thinking through biblically how God would want me to care for them like I care for my own daughters and, and have a concern for them. So that's that's where everything started for me. It was the first I'd heard of it. And then it was just the Holy Spirit and uh, convicting me all night long where it was, it was hard to sleep. How did you first get involved? Because, um, it, it's kind of a legend, I suppose mm -hmm. that, uh, all the proceeds of crazy love. And I mean, the book's just done crazy well, but yeah. all the proceeds from that have gone to fight sex trafficking. That, that was a real attention getter for me. Um, I was still living in the UK and your book was making the rounds over there back. I don't know. Um, before 2011 and yeah. uh and and i that's what i remember hearing is all of the the proceeds for that were, were going to fight sex trafficking and yeah. uh and that that's quite a hefty chunk of change so well yeah let me let me clarify some things on that yes all of the money that came in from crazy love um goes directly to other ministries um, the majority of which is sex trafficking or has been sex trafficking, but it's also gone to uh, ministries that get the gospel to unreached people groups and uh, various other organizations. And what I did was basically, um, rather than taking the money myself, just put it all in a charitable gift fund to where I couldn't take any of it, but I have to just distribute it to various ministries and uh, the majority of which is sex trafficking. So I don't know where... Um, somehow someone said everything goes to sex trafficking. Um, everything does go to ministry, but not necessarily to sex trafficking. Just wanted to clarify that. No, no, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah. So uh, why should Christians be making this a priority? I mean, obviously we don't want to get, you know, into, you know, the age old social gospel, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the gospel is social. H how do you convince Christians that, look, this is something you ought to be concerned about? Well, I don't think that we really have to do a hard, I don't know. I don't think we have to work that hard at convincing Christians to care about this and do something because 
if we explain it and it doesn't tug at your heart, um, I, it's hard for me to believe that you're a believer. I, 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 I'm sorry to, if that sounds rude, but that's, the, that's our very DNA of the spirit that God put in us is this concern for other people. I mean, sure, we can go to passages like a Matthew 25 where Jesus says, I, I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I, I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. I mean, I mean that's, that's in light of the, the judgment and depart from me, get away from me. You know, you, you didn't care for me. Um, and, and, you know, you could look at that and go, gosh, Jesus seems to be teaching a work salvation, but I don't, I don't believe he is. I think what he's he explaining, just like the rest of scripture, when the Holy Spirit enters into you, he changes your, your very core being to where you have these same desires to where if you see someone starving, literally starving, it's, it's going to be your desire to help in some way. Um, it's not even a burden like, oh, gosh, I got to feed that guy or, oh, great, that girl's being raped. I'm going to have to do something. It's you want to. I, I mean, just it's it's in us. And so, um, yeah, we can go biblically, but I don't think it's a an issue that I hope that we have to force people into, um, but that it's it's who God made us to be. What what do you find most people, you know, believe as far as uh, sex trafficking in the United States? Because, you know, when I hear about the numbers of sex trafficking happening in the United States, because it's always been, you know, this thought in my mind, at least, oh, that's that's something over there. Right. Wherever over there is, it's not happening here in the U.S., but yet it does. And it happens a lot here. Um, what's been your experience in, in sharing that with people and helping them understand that? You know, uh, it's it's a hard one because most of us don't know of anyone who's been trafficked. And so it's become almost like this um, something that's there, but we don't see it. And it's so much is underground. And so you have organizations um, that are out there promoting it. And, and, and to be honest, I couldn't tell you the statistics. I don't know. I'll read them and then forget them and, um, you know. That that is the difficulty because um, I'll point people to different resources and and say, okay, let's you know go 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 read what Gary Haugen's doing. Go go look at what Not for Sale is doing. Um, uh, there's, but for me personally, I I have a hard time because I know it happens here, and I'll hear stories occasionally and meet you know one girl here, one girl there that explains the horror story of what she went through but we don't see it on a regular basis it's not like other sins where it's just out in the news or we see the violence we see the murders you know we we, we see the funerals taking place um with this it's like someone shipped overseas and we never see them again um we don't hear about them. we don't know where they are and now the people who are doing it are so good at hiding it yeah and concealing it that we, we don't see it on a daily basis. And so that's, that's a rough one. I read some uh, statistics on it that, you know, and the, these are validated. You you can hunt the Internet and find a bunch of people saying all kinds of different things. But but the ones from like the U.S. Center for Justice and um, the, these came back. Twenty seven million people uh, worldwide at the moment are being sex trafficked in some way, shape or form. 
Um, 77% of adult prostitutes were trafficked as children. It's a $32 billion uh, industry a year. It's the second largest criminal industry and the fastest growing. It's it's second only to drugs. Apparently, it's connected with uh, the uh, gun running, uh, organized crime. Um, the majority of people sex trafficked are between the ages of 18 and 24. There are 1.2 million kids per year. Uh, they get involved in this. 300,000 are at risk every day. And... Uh, it's uh, it's just crazy. I mean, the the whole thing with Ariel Castro, where he had a like a, a dungeon, you know, in his house, and yeah. uh, the neighbors are like, hey, we ate ribs with that guy, you know that that was an eye opener, I think, for people. But it seems like the media doesn't really want to talk about it. Nobody really wants to address that this is a gaping wound in society right now. And I think the church has been really good about that. Yeah, and, and I understand where a lot of people in the church are getting where they go, gosh, all you guys talk about is social justice now, which we would never have said that 10 years ago, no. which is which is wonderful that it's out there. I also get their point, like, okay, now, now it has become an acceptable and uh, uh, thing to talk about. Even the world will look at it and listen to that message and be attracted to that message, whereas the gospel is still unpopular. And so in many ways, um, yeah, the church is, is talking more about sex trafficking, um, but people are sharing their faith less and less because that's unacceptable. Uh, so I get what people are saying, and I would agree with that, that now it's suddenly becoming a little bit more sexy or acceptable to talk about this. And so praise God for that. But in light of that, let's let's also not forget our number one calling, which is to get the gospel. and. Um, but this is a part of it. It's, it's you know, like what uh, what uh, John says in, in 1 John 3, uh, where he talks about the example of Christ. Uh, he says in 1 John 3, verse, uh, where is it, 16. Um, I'm in the wrong chapter. There you go. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's good, sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Let Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Um, there's this laying down of our lives for other people that is the gospel. That's, that's what Jesus did for us. And so then he goes to a practical need, such as... Uh, you know, food. It's like that, that. That's no gospel. The love of Christ isn't in you. That guy's starving over there and you didn't give him anything to eat. Um, so it's, you know, and then he says, that's not just love with words and talk, but in deed and in truth. And I think this is one of those ways where, you know, we can talk about the gospel and we must declare the gospel in a world where they're rapidly against you know, this this truth that they need forgiveness and that they're not good enough and that Christ is the sacrifice for everyone and, and that it's only through him that we, can, we need to preach that. But there's a, a physical showing of that where we demonstrate Christ in the way that we die to ourselves to help other people, to help one another first in the church but then to go after those who are suffering. And, 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 and it gives us that open door of, hey, that's, that's what Christ did for me. He came, he died for me. Yeah, I'll risk my life trying to save that girl from this, 
this horror of being raped every night. I'll, I'll, I'll live off of less and, and, and gladly, joyfully give of my possessions um, to, to get her out of there because really I believe that you take Matthew 25 to this issue. Yeah, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was being raped and you just left me there. Um, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let me ask you, Francis, what have you found to be a, um, a great way to make an impact on this uh, issue of sex trafficking? Like what are some, some ways that our church plants can, um, can have a role um, in, you know, the fight against sex trafficking? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's like when I first started caring for those who were starving, um, you know, I grew up like a lot of us seeing those those infomercials. Oh, people are starving in, in Ethiopia, and and you, you know you just flip the channel, so you're aware. But then when I was there and I met these people who were starving and laughed with people who were starving and cried with them, it's like I came back and I just you just can't help but just like ah. Oh, how can I change my lifestyle? I mean, I'm the leader, I'm the pastor. If I'm not setting an example and I'm just living like that's not going on and not doing anything practically, but everything's just about talk, then it's like, what kind of example is that set for everyone else? Um, you know, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So it's, it's looking at yourself and going, okay, what am I doing? How could I be living differently? How can I be sacrificing um, and, and then raising the awareness and letting people know, look, you guys, trust me, I saw these people, you know, just, just earlier this year, my wife and I were in a red light district over in Africa and just seeing these girls and the hopelessness and talking to them and talking to victims. And it, it just made me, it made us both like sick to our stomachs and yet seeing how the gospel transformed their lives and these girls that are just beautiful, you know, just beaming with joy and leading worship and yet tell us the life that they came from you know it's it's we come back and okay how can we figure out ways to make more money to give more over there you know how can we mobilize other people how can we change our lives how can we keep it in the forefront of our minds um on our walls maybe we don't just put pictures of our own family let's put some of their pictures up on the wall Let's, let's just have it just constantly in our minds. Um, and again, but, you know, looking at pictures and, and videos and, and remembering the, the joy of these women after they'd been rescued and, and, and had fallen in love with Jesus and just wanting this for all of them. So it's, it, it has to be a change of lifestyle. I, I, obviously, the word of God is powerful and um, I will never belittle that. And yet the word of God tells us to be that example um, that somehow we flesh it out and show people. So I would say, um, what are you doing and how are you the example to other people? On topic with that, Francis, what was the first uh, kind of thing that started happening with you uh, on that you know, kind of level where you started getting a little more radical and going, you know, dang it, I'm not just going to church anymore. My lifestyle needs to change. Can you just share with us some of the, the turning point? Because I'm sure, you know, obviously it goes back to when you first came to Christ and all that happens. But I mean, 
at a certain stage, I would I would guess like the rest of us, you settle into a certain lifestyle. You look around and go, okay, this is what being a Christian is. This is what's expected. I come to church and I try to behave. At what stage did you kind of start making that journey into which stuff needs to change? I got to get a little bit radical. Like, what yeah. did you do? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the first trip to Africa and listening to pastors uh, kind of griping, you know, on this trip about they were talking about Bill Gates, like, oh, if Bill Gates would just give one one hundredth of it, you know, he could change all of this. And I finally spoke up. I'm like, wait a second, you guys, are you, are you listening to yourselves? I mean, we're we're pastors. I mean, I was about to go home and buy a new truck. If I don't buy that truck, I could build a school, a school, a stinking school. You know, for all those kids we just saw in the jungle. Like, why are we judging other people in the world and not looking at ourselves? And so, you know, I come home thinking, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to buy that. You, you know, why, why, why do I? I would be so much happier if I could see a school that I built than look back five years and go, wow, that was really fun driving that truck. Um, <laughs> like, it's just for the joy. And then, but then I got home and, it didn't stop there. I'm looking at my house and going, it's a modest house. It's, it's no one's gonna have an issue with it, but except for me and looking at my wife and thinking, gosh, am I really going to have this conversation with my wife? This is, this is lame. Like no one does this. And I was so scared, but to just go, honey, I just got to share what's going on in my heart. I, I'm feeling sick as I look around our house. I, I can't, I don't, after what I just experienced, I don't know if I can live like this anymore with what I see in scripture. And um, man, it's, it's, it's weird because you almost feel like, well, I can't do that. I, I can't downsize. No one does that. And yet when is that the reason why we can't do something? I mean, if we're convicted by something in scripture, there's going to be a weirdness to it. Um, and we got to just do whatever God's called us to. But again, it's action. It's not, well, let me preach a sermon on it. Let me write a book about it. Let me blog about it. Let me, you know, make a video about it. It's like, okay, let me set an example of how, man, there's actually going to be more joy when we give and sacrifice. Some of these were our greatest decisions in life that we're so happy about now. And I believe we'll be happy about for all of eternity. Like, man, that was a good investment. That was a good investment versus stuff that we bought where we go, man, why did I buy that? Sure, it brought some pleasure, but this is so much better. This is this is what Paul tells Timothy, man, command the rich to be rich in these good deeds. Not because it's going to destroy their lives, but it's because this is the way they take hold of a life that is truly life. And so when we do this and we do it with joy, not like, hey, look at me, look at what I sacrificed. I'm miserable, but I'm helping all these other people. But rather like, man, what Jesus said, it is so much better to give than to receive. Um, this, this brings us so much joy. This is the heart that the Holy Spirit gave us and show people that, man, this is truly life. This is a great lifestyle. Um, and I think it's gonna have a reward forever. And so I would just encourage people, man, just set the example. Look at your own life. Don't, don't necessarily think about, I'm going to start this movement or I'm going to start this 501c3. You know, maybe for some people, that's what you're called to do. But the rest of us, it's like, 
man, just, it's, it's like what, I'm rambling here, but it's like, it's what my youth pastor said when I was in high school. He says, if everyone in our youth group was just like you, what kind of youth group would we have? Um, if everyone gave what you gave, how would our church budget be? You know, if everyone shared the faith as often as you did, how many converts would there be? And it was a great way to just think about the church. You know, we want to be this leader of a great movement or something like that. But it just starts with, okay, if everyone did what I did right now, how would we be doing in this area? And just look at your life and go, how can I be an example to where, you know what? If everyone followed my example, I think we could kill this thing. Great. Let's do it. What are, what are some of the agencies that, um, that Christians need to be aware of, that church planners need to be aware of, that either they can partner with or go to for information, for guidance, for help, things like that? Yeah, I mean, um, wow, I just went blank. Gary Haugen, what, <laughs> what's the name of it? Uh, the big one, the lawyer guy. I just... So you say a lawyer to me, and all I can think of is Larry H. Parker, but uh, that's a totally different lawyer. <laughs> what's the biggest one where they're going everywhere? He's the government guy. Uh, oh, my gosh, I can't it's, believe I'm uh, blank. Where is it? I got, I got that written. Is it enslaverynow.org? No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I can't believe I forgot. You, you know we're going to brag later. We'd be like, we stumped Francis Chan. No. <laughs> That's our, we stumped him. Gosh, I'm trying to uh, uh, Google it right now, even as we talk. Gary, how good. Siri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ask uh, Siri. There you no, go. International Justice Mission. Okay. Um, All right. You know, they, they've, they've kind of been the, the leader as far as uh, really going worldwide and exposing those things. And, uh, I mean, there are a lot of organizations out there, and I want to be very careful because, truthfully, I have not researched them all yeah. as far as uh, making sure the integrity of some of them. One that I was with recently and have been researching is uh, International Crisis Aid. Although they may be changing to Crisis Aid International. Um, they've been doing some really good work. And... Um, that's the one where my wife and I were just there in January and were pretty blown away by the things that they were doing. Um, yeah. But I'm careful not to throw too many names out there. Sure. No, that that's helpful because I think, you know, for a lot of guys, they're like, hey, where do I start? And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the names that you throw out there are going to be helpful because people trust you. And I mean, for me, you know, when I was dating my wife, she was she was in Thailand before we got married and actually came back off the field to marry me. I think she got the bum into the deal, but she was wow. rescuing kids out of prostitution in Thailand up in uh, Chiang, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai. And, uh, you know, so for me, it's always been, there's a woman that, that we work very, very locally and uh, also uh, living bread with Patrick Hubbard. He strategically hmm. plants churches as vehicles, uh, putting a community there to receive uh, the people on the ground. And so for me, I, I've never been involved with the bigger ones. I've, I've, I've picked smaller ones, you know, that I'm in. Well, I know too, that we don't have, uh, just a couple more minutes with you, Francis, think about three before you got to go. So let me just uh, ask you if it's even possible to, to ask this in three minutes, but how can 
people effectively evangelize the unchurched using this, you know, as a vehicle or, or you know, reaching people um, with this issue? I mean, how can we use it to, to share the gospel? Yeah, I, you know, like I said earlier, this is acceptable and admired by the world. Um, so it's, it's good, you know, they look at it and say, wow, the church is actually doing something. They're not just preaching at me and they're actually sacrificing a lot more for some of these causes than I am. Um, and then it's, it's the perfect opportunity to talk about how it's not a burden to us. Like we can't help, but this is, this is the nature that God's given us. And, and we can explain our selfishness of the past. Now the gospel transformed us. We can also talk about it, it's a perfect opportunity to go, gosh, I, I'm so grateful. Like I, I was a, I was a victim. I was a culprit. I was, I was, I was hopeless. Um, I really think I was going to stand before God for all the junk that I did. And, and I, I would have to be punished for that before a holy God but Jesus came and rescued me. He 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 took it on himself. He he took it on the chin. He 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 hung on that cross all to rescue me. And so now I've got this brand new life. I am set. I have this amazing relationship with God. Man, it's like I know him. I pray to him. He answers me. This is insane. And he pulled me out of that hell to have this with him. And so I can't help but do that for other people. And I can't help but even tell you that, gosh, this is what Jesus did for you. Um, and, and you need to accept that. You need to receive this. You need to, um, you, need, you need to turn into this new lifestyle. I'm just trying to become more and more like the one who rescued me. And so it's just very natural for me to go and rescue other people. I, I, we have to use everything as an opportunity to get the gospel out there. Um, and it's, but it's, it's ministering by who we are. It's just our lifestyle. It's not just preaching, but for people to see this is an overflow of who I am. Um, because otherwise it just, I don't want this to become a, necessarily another church growth or evangelism strategy. Um, but it's just, this is, this is who I am. This is my life. Man, Jesus did this for me. And so I'm just trying to help other people understand what Jesus did for them. Um, he's changed my nature to where I can't help but feed the poor, um, rescue them from slavery, and I love it. Hmm. So. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, Francis. It you know it's got to come out of who we are, not just be what we do disembodied. I mean, I think everything it's an outworking of the Holy Spirit you know, in us. And, uh, and, you know, and I think there's, there's a little bit in, in a lot of people, there's a shame, like, well, I didn't know this was going on. And then when I do know, maybe I'm slower getting involved, uh, than I should have been. But the important thing is just to start now and to start somewhere. And like Bob Goff said, just pick a fight, you know, pick a fight. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a worthy fight to fight, man. It's, it's, it's part of, part of the whole package. And so Francis, Thanks for fighting the fight that you've been doing for years. And thanks for coming on, being a part of getting the word out for church planners. And uh, guys, if you want to um, get involved, Francis has mentioned uh, International Justice Mission. 
we will have more links on this of places you can go and jump into the fight. And Francis, thanks for coming on, man. It's awesome yeah. having you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Take All care. Right. Well, this has been the Church Planner podcast webinar reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.